Amen. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We're a very blessed church with a bunch of great people that uh, not only serve in all the capacities of our church, but our worship team, cafe. I mean, come on, man. You can come to church, and if you're feeling like sleeping, you can grab a coffee over there and stay awake, even when I'm talking to you. So I would suggest that if you're uh, still struggling a little bit, that coffee over there, the left one is a bold one. And uh, let's do it. God is so good, isn't he? He's amazing. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. We're coming up on 15 years, which is just absolutely crazy to me that we've been here that long. Yeah, it's amazing. You guys are awesome. Um, you're the, the church that's lasted and put up with us the longest. I just want you to know that. <clears throat> We're so glad. Uh, Pastor Joshua Rivera is going to be joining us. He'll, he's at his last Sunday in um, Columbus, Ohio, and that's a God thing that he's getting him out of there. But anyway, that's another story for all you Ohio residents. I'm a Michigan guy, just in case you were wondering. Yeah, that Columbus stuff, you know. My dad said the worst thing about Kentucky is you got to drive through Ohio to get there. Anyway, we will leave that alone. All right, so anyway, Pastor Joshua Revere is being redeemed out of that place, coming to serve here with us. And he's uh, driving here starting tomorrow. He'll be here Saturday, and he'll be with us next Sunday. We're very excited about the transition that God's bringing into our lives into the year of change, 2020. I don't know if you know that or not, but this is the year of change. And if it hasn't been for you yet, it is. Today is going to make the first step if it hasn't already happened in your life, that God is changing us. And he is calling us into this incredible relationship with him. I'm very excited about all the things that he has planned for us. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's still God. And he is God through it all. And I trust him through it all. He's amazing. He's so good to us. We have uh, small groups all through the week on Sundays. Please join a group. If you're already part of a group, awesome. Keep after it. Just keep the focus on Jesus, not gossip. And make your life a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. And God will honor that. If you want to start a group, we'd love to help you. Let us know about that because we just want to see people growing in their faith. You're not going to get the real strong relationships just coming to church on Sunday. We want you here, and this is important. But you're going to build the relationships together in a group. So please consider where God would have you to serve and be a part of that. Um, we're going to ask you some accountability questions like we do every week because i got to hurry up. Somebody mentioned that the last service got out a little late. Just want to let you know that I only got through half my notes in that service, and I told them to pray for you guys because I don't have another service after this one. So they're praying for you. No, it's all good, man. I got a clock right there. They planned the, our tech team did that for you. They planned it up and they sped it up, which I found out a few weeks ago that it's not actually accurate. They're doing everything they can to help you guys. So just so you know, they're on your side. Uh, did you spend at least five minutes a day last week, five days reading or listening to God's Word? Did you do that? Yes. It's important that you're in God's Word, spending time with Him. Did you share God's story with someone this week? Yes. Did you spend some time alone with Him this week? Yes. No agenda for you? Yes. All right, I told you, I was asking and inviting you all to join with me, not to make a New Year's resolution. Those things fail, but to make a spiritual goal in your life for this year. And so I want to share with you the goal that I set. I think I mentioned it before, but I want you to know that actually last Friday was the first time I put it into action. So it's not really a New Year's thing, but it's a new goal for me for 2020. And on Fridays, I have committed myself to spend one half hour with God alone, shutting off my phone, nothing around me, no distractions, just being quiet with God for 30 minutes every Friday. 
So now, um, some of you, you're like, well, that's nothing. Well, it is for me, and it feels like an eternity. Five minutes, I'm thinking, like, that half hour's got to be over with, right? Let's get it on. And, and uh, no. So I want you to know I did it last Friday for the first time. And I, yeah, hey, one down, <laughs> 51 to go. Uh, anyway, so I had to drive out of Tucson to do it, though. I went out where there was no phone reception, so I couldn't even be tempted. And I went out in the fields uh, to be there where I had to sit still. And so I was, and I was with God, and it was great. So I just want to encourage you that whatever your spiritual goal is, make it happen. Go after God. He loves you. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give? Time, talents, and resources. All of it. Did you invite someone to church with you this week? I point out these cards to you, but I never lift one up there. But there's a bunch here, over there, back there at the Welcome Center, like a Come Join Us card. It's got all of our ministry stuff on it, times and everything. So take one of those with you. Give it to somebody, okay? I'm sorry. I have issues, and I'm trying to hurry because I don't want to keep you all day. So um, let's uh, let's see what the good stuff is God has for us today because... I'm very excited about what he's doing. Today is like a a monumental day in our lives. It really is. Um, And so let's do it. Looking in God's word. Y'all that have been around here, if this is your first Sunday, I want you to know that we're not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we're messed up. And Jesus is the answer. And so if it's your first Sunday, I want you to know Jesus is the answer. And if you look at us and think something's wrong with them, I just want you to know you should have seen us last week. (laughs) God is working, man, and we're not the same, and that's a good thing. But I want you to know there's hope for you wherever you are as well. And Jesus is your hope. It's not just what we're singing. It is our truth of our life. And so I want to encourage you to do that. So if it's your first Sunday or you've been here forever or you're joining us online for the first time, we welcome you. Um, uh, Just to preset where we're going and who we are. I don't have a preaching calendar, meaning I don't have a plan for what I'm preaching for the rest of the year. Didn't even know what I was preaching today, last night. I, Sunday morning, I, uh, I have a time with God where he gives me the message for today. It's part of prayer and reading throughout the week. I know that and being with him. So I'm always listening and walking with him. And he always brings things through my week to today to put together as I put the message together for today. So I want you to know I'm not lazy. I'm not slack. I'm listening, walking with God, praying searching for him i would love to have the next year's messages mapped out that would be so amazing to me (laughs) it is god has it he just hasn't downloaded it yet so i'm just like one of those that connects with him on the way and so um i'm grateful for that but i'm telling you that because as we've traveled over the last few weeks we've looked at successive verses in the book of ephesians and it's not normal for us to do that so if it's your first sunday uh, this isn't normal, but who knows, you know, whatever. Uh, we're just going to roll with it. If it's if you've been here and if you haven't been here, I want you to know you can always go on our website and tune in and get the podcast or live video of the services and catch up with stuff about what's going on. So, you know, we don't preach in series because we started this message in the middle of Ephesians chapter four. So it's part of my dysfunction, you know, in my uh, my issues, I guess. It's like you normally should start chapter one, verse one, but we started in chapter four. Somewhere in there, I don't even remember now, but it doesn't matter. Um, it was in Ephesians 4, and it's talking about us and being the light in the world. And, and the contrast of what we've been looking at in the scripture was saying, you know, you had a life in sin. Everybody in this room, I don't care how young you are, you lived in sin. 
you know what sin did to you. And the, the word of God, the cool thing about God's word is it was giving us this, this reflective history saying, look back in your life. Do you remember the sin that owned you and how you made bad choices, how those choices multiplied and brought destruction into your life? So the word of God is saying that was your life before Jesus. Then you found Jesus. You repented of your sins. You were born again. You entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He forgave you of all that brokenness back there. And now you've started a new life in Christ. And and Paul, Paul is teaching us God is, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, saying, look, you had a life before Jesus. Now you met him. Now you have a new life in Christ. And you can see the contrast of your old life versus the new life in Christ. Everybody here, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you know there's a stark contrast to where you used to be to where you are today, right? Okay. So the Word of God is saying to all of us saying like, all right, now that you know that your life was changed in Christ, there's this reminder in those sections of Scripture saying you're supposed to be living in such a way that the world sees that old life, new life. You're supposed to be living your faith in such a way that the world knows that you have had a new beginning. And they know by the way you live, what you say and how you act and what you share that you have met Jesus. Okay? So church, here's the thing. As he talks to us about this and about that changed life, he said, all right, so now that you know you're changed, stop doing stuff that you used to do. Right? He even goes into some definitions there and he goes, stop lying. If you're a thief, stop stealing. He's like, that's your old life. You're not that anymore. So now that you're in your new life, don't do what you used to do. So it's kind of a reminder that you're still changing. Amen. Still changing. Still changing. See, uh, I know this. Since I became a Christian, there's a lot of things I don't do now that I used to do because God said, don't do them. So I've changed and I've cut those things out of my life and I've added new things in my life to grow in my faith so that I might be more Christ-like. So God has invited us into this incredible life transformation that is an ongoing process of changing because God is saying, I want you to become like Christ. In those words we even read it, it said, be imitators of God in all you do. All right? So we were reading all those things, so I want to just bring that to you So then what happened was, as we were talking about what the Word of God calls us into, Jesus himself was the one that spoke this message. The the words in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 simply built upon what Jesus said. It wasn't like the Apostle Paul was preaching a new message. What he was sharing with the church is exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, you are a light to the world. You're supposed to live your way, life in such a way that it brings glory to the Father, right? Okay, so let's lay that foundation. So the Apostle Paul, writing through the Holy Spirit to the church, says, Hey, church, you had an old life, you got a new life, you're renewing that life and changing in Christ. So that's what you're supposed to do, living out there in the world. Then he pointed the direction into the church life. That's what we covered last week in Ephesians 5, where he said, Submit to one another in love and reverence for Christ. So everyone, male, female, everybody in the church, he's saying, submit to one another. So when division happens in the church, it's us getting in the way of God. 
God is calling us to a life of submission to one another, not that I have the right to, or I am, and you're not, or I've arrived, and you're not there yet. It's a life of submission to one another in love and reverence for Christ. Therefore, there should never be division in the, in the church. There should never be wrong attitudes about people in the church. We're based in Christ's love, loving one another in this mutual submission for the glory of God. The church has screwed that up, hasn't they? I'm telling you what God has called us into. So we're getting this incredible perspective from God saying your old life, your new life, your new life in Christ, this is how it looks in the world. This is how it ought to look in the church. Then he focuses down even more. He says, let's go focus on your home life now. And he talked to us about husbands and wives. That's where we went into that section where everybody freaks out because they hear that word submit. And we're like, oh, freaked out. Man, that's a mess. Ah. That's old, archaic language. No, it's not. It's, it's God's language, and it's God's plan, and His plan is perfect when we follow what He says. Because the beauty of that relationship that He carved out for us, husbands and wives, when He said, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, that surrender of ourself to Jesus Christ and giving ourselves to Him, then He calls husbands to love your wife as Christ loved the church. We looked at the fact that Christ submitted everything about who He was all for the benefit of everyone else. So when a husband lives in that kind of a way, man, a wife will absolutely follow him. Man, she's not going to not want to follow him. When he's loving her like Christ loved the church, he gave himself for us. He provided for us. He met her every need. He was and is our all in all. When a man lives like that, a woman will follow. Come on, guys, it's true. Ladies, that's the truth. So the fact of the matter is the dysfunction in the world is we've been called to live these separate lives and demanding of what we expect in a relationship. And so the man's demanding of the wife and the wife's demanding of the husband. Pretty soon we're in a conflict and we don't even want to be with each other. And the famous words come out, I don't think I ever loved you. And it's like, give me a break, man. What do you mean you never loved me? You pledged yourself to me till death do us part. It's not about your feelings today. Screw your feelings. You made a commitment to Christ and to somebody else. And the Word of God has called us into that relationship together. And so when we look at the beauty of that relationship and that passage, I want you to know that when we surrender and do it God's way, it works. The reason why it's not working in your life is because you don't want to do it God's way. You think your way's better. just want you to know your way's not better. That's why you're dysfunctional. God's way's the right way, and when you do it His way, it works. So why not try it God's way? It's just a thought. You know, especially us in the church. Okay, so we don't want to get lost there, and I already did, because we're moving forward. Okay, so God's trying to speak to us about something more, because see, what he did was, we've looked at the broad picture of Christian life in the world, to Christian life in the church, to Christian life between husbands and wives, and it's got to go deeper now. See, when we continue right on in that passage, it's talking about this relationship with God and how it impacts us. The very next statement that is made is found in Ephesians 6, uh, 6 chapter, verse 1. So before I read it to you, I want you to know that it's addressing children, so don't think this is a message we're going to send down to Kids XP. It's a message to you kids, so pay attention. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, 
Bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. That's all I'm going to read. It's plenty. There's so much here that we need to address that is just something that is so needed in our lives. Please hear me. I know that this is from God. I know every week that the message is from God, but I, I'm pleading with you to hear this. As we look in God's Word, and He talks to us about the Christian family, and He's talking about our relationships, and we look at this, we are looking at God's Word, and it says something very, very powerful and important to us. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Let that sink in. You don't belong to your parents. He said, you do this because you belong to me. So it's not even contingent upon your parents at all. It has nothing to do with how they act or acted, how dysfunctional or broken they were. It has nothing to do with them. Do you hear that? You belong to God. You do this because God said so. Not because they earned it. Not because they deserve it, but because God said, do this, because I own you. You belong to me. Hey, mom and dad, I want you to know your kids belong to God, not you. We have a problem in our culture today where kids own us. And our families are dysfunctional because all parents are following the children's schedule, the children's calendar, the children's events. The children's lives, the children's wants, the children's needs. And we're so dysfunctional that we're trying to find answers by living to please our children. God's word says they belong to him. You only have them for a little time. And pretty soon they're not going to care about you. I just want you to know that's about age 13. Okay? And yet we're letting them dictate our lives. And this is what we've seen happen. My wife and I have been leading churches, the, the church that Jesus called us to for over 30 years. And I have watched this happen. We have seen it where the kids become the focus and the parents forget each other. And pretty soon the kids are gone and there's this absence. Because guess what? In 13 to 18 years, you've changed. And so when you wake up and there's no kids in the home, you wake up in bed with a stranger, and you, I'm talking about your spouse. You wake up in bed with a stranger because you've changed. You don't like the same foods. You don't do the same stuff. You don't look the same. You don't act the same. Things have changed. And we have allowed what God structured to be a destructive force in what He planned for us. Think about it. Like, look, man, look around you. Even in the church, families are broken and dysfunctional. We're blended because we've ruined stuff. Please don't be offended. Hear me through in what God's Word says to us. Man, when I look at this, then God's saying, like, here's the deal. They belong to me. Please know that. Kids, you belong to me. Parents, you need to know they belong to him. We do a dedication service, and we say, here, God, we give them to you. And then we're like, Whoa. Okay. So before you know it, they're gone. And you've lost stuff. 
critical things in your life because you've surrendered to something that God didn't ask you to surrender to. But there's a promise here in God's word to us as kids. Everyone in this room is a child, and we have been children of. Now look, here's the thing. In the Ten Commandments, God gave his people that command, honor your father and your mother, and it was the first commandment he gave with a promise. So God said, if you'll do what I'm asking you to do, I will respond to your action, and I will do something for you. It's the first time he did that. Think that through for a minute. God said, if you do what I'm asking you, I will do something for you. The very first one. So when he called the Israelites into his relationship with him, here's what he said. I want the whole world to know I'm God and that I'm your God. I want everyone to know who I am through you. So he's saying, like, when you do what I ask you to do, everyone's going to know it. So this is Old Testament. So we're reminded here in the scriptures of Ephesians that we've been going through, God's saying, when you live the way I've called you to, everyone's going to know it, and they're going to know who I am. Same thing. Okay, so let's go further. It says, honor your father and mother, and if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on earth. This is not an accountability question. Please do not answer. Don't say anything out loud. Okay. <laughs> Are you honoring your father and mother? Are you honoring your father and your mother? Okay, so the reason I ask that question is because usually the way we approach that is, well, you know, they've done this or they haven't done this, and I don't know who they are, and they've been absent, and they hurt me, and we start talking about stuff. Please know what God said. Do this for me because you're mine. So I ask you again, are you honoring your father and your mother? So as I'm praying about this, I want you to know that as I'm asking God, I'm like, God, you know, like a lot of people in our church, like my parents, my dad's dead, uh, been for three years. My mom is in stages of dementia. My wife's parents are both gone. Her and I, uh, our family, we have older siblings, but we're like the senior level of our family now. So it's like as you consider that and you look at it, you're like, wait a minute, like, okay, God, so when you're asking me to speak about this, there's a lot of people like that. Some people don't even know who their parents are, etc. So what are you asking from us? And here's the thing, I just, we're going to go to a topic here about this that I know is, is the heart of God for us. And um, I believe that God wants us to settle in on this forgiveness thing as a way to honor your father and mother. So the thing that he wants us to do today is forgive them for their failures, forgive them for their abuses, forgive them for their absence, their neglect. And the reason why we would ask that, that God would ask that of us, is because you see, when we begin to deal with this, um, we struggle with honoring because we look at um, life action. And life action oftentimes has left us empty because of their brokenness. And so I don't want to honor them because they suck. And I'm mad at them. And I don't like what they did. And therefore, I speak bad about them. But God says, look, remember what he just said? You belong to me, kids. Therefore, you honor them for me. 
So now, the way that we need to do this is through forgiveness. And I want to remind you that the Word of God says to forgive as God forgives you. So when Jesus is teaching in, in Mark chapter 11, he says, when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Just holding a grudge against. So, forgive. So I, I'm want you to know that I've said some of this stuff to you before, but God wants me to share something with you again today. That, um, you know, growing up in the home that I grew up in, my father was a pastor. My mom and he uh, led a church, a, a legalistic holiness church. I was raised in an environment where I was taught about God, Jesus, and the Bible, and salvation, and I'm very grateful. But I also was raised in a home that as a child, I saw my father as a hypocrite I saw his anger at home I saw his attitude I saw dysfunction I saw the way he treated my mom I saw all of his um, shortcomings I'll put it that way and so I grew with resentment against him and um, and so when I came to Christ of course I asked God to forgive me absolutely forgave me uh, you know how God is he's amazing so we receive all of the forgiveness that God has for us. He saves us and forgives us, right? So I begin this journey with God, walking with Him. And um, God calls me out on my feelings towards my father. And um, convicting me, reading, studying, doing stuff, and God's like, you need to forgive him. And, um, you know, I have the usual debates with God, which are always really smart to do, and you know you've done them. And you, you're like telling him what's wrong with him. Like he doesn't know, you know. Yeah, but he's this. He does this. He's done that. He acts like this. He says he's this. He's not that. And, uh, you know, yeah, I forgive him, but you know how you do that? <laughs> I forgive him, but he's still. Okay. So after this time of prayer, I forgive him. It's cool how God does that, isn't it? Because then when you finally let him go, you get peace and forgiveness and healing in your heart. And I felt joy in me, you know, and I was happy. And I was like, man, thank you, God. Uh, that's done. Let's move on with life. And everything is going forward. So then God calls us to Tucson, 2005. I'm now 2,000 miles away from my family. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Seriously. I was so happy that he called us away from them. Then I only had to call or text when I wanted to. And I had to see him or deal with them. So, like, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm not, oh, I'm not proud of it. I'm just telling you the truth. So Kim and I are here 2,000 miles from her family and my family. We're isolated by ourselves. It's like, ah, what a relief, man. I'm out of that craziness, that dysfunction, that broken mess. Yeah, I'm forgiven. They're forgiven. And life goes on, and God is good. So amazing. So I'm, I'm on this journey with God with you all. You didn't even know it. And uh, God's doing good stuff and blessing us. And it's crazy because, you know, he brings us to this place again because he's trying to change us and help us to grow up. I go on a trip up to Kansas. Justin, our worship leader, went with me, my oldest son, Dave. We went up to, to my brother's house, and my parents lived there at this time in Kansas. 
We're having dinner after one night, a day, I mean, I don't even remember what day it was or what was going on. It's early in the week. Before we went to bed, I think that night, Justin said, Pastor Dave, I noticed that when your dad talks to you, you don't look at him. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, like, give him an excuse and walk away, right? And I'm like, what's he talking about? <laughs> don't look at him. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying or why you say that. Go in the room and I'm talking, it's stirring in my heart. I'm not okay. Something's bugging me. And I'm like, Lord, um, is that true? Did I not look at him? Am I looking away when he speaks to me? Why? And what's that all about? So when you ask God stuff and you're ready to, he's ready to address stuff, he's like, do you love him? Of course I love him. He's my dad. I've always loved him. Even when I didn't like him, I loved him. I always told him I loved him. Even if I was mad at him or hated him inside, I said, I love you. Of course I love him. And God's asking me, do you love him? Do you love him? And I was like, okay, God, what is this up? What, what does this mean? Like, what's going on? Why is this? I want to love him. If you say I don't, I want to. So we go the next day. My dad's sitting at the other end of the table. By this time, he's an older guy. I looked down the table at him, and he spoke to me, and he looked my way, and I looked at him right in the eyes. And when I did, God gave me this incredible vision, and it wasn't, a, uh, it wasn't an angel vision. There was no light involved. I saw my dad as a broken individual, and I saw him with compassion. I saw him as a broken man who needed Jesus. And my heart was just like filled with compassion. And for the first time in my life, I loved my dad. It was crazy. I was like, how can that be, God? I mean, like, I have always loved him, but you showed me and I love him. And I saw him differently. I knew that, see, as you get older, you begin to see things you didn't understand. So let me give you some history to understand where we are and why we went there. See, as you get older, you learn stuff about your family. You begin to see things, right? And people tell you more stuff because now you're an adult. So I found out that my father, who is a first Christian in his family as an adult, came from a very dysfunctional home. My grandparents had... Uh, Boys and girls, both large family. Um, I had an aunt that died at 16. Uh, that was, I'm sure, a consuming force in their life. Um, my father was kind of left with his brothers to run the streets. I mean, it was in the country. I'm not talking about downtown or nothing, but I'm saying, like, they didn't have any upbringing. They were just kind of left out there. Returned home at night and went out the next day. Quit school in eighth grade. Uh, you know, he... I found out my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they all lived in the same neighborhood. And uh, my mother-in-law told me that, you know, your dad fought with every boy and girl in this neighborhood. Fist fought. He was an angry man. Boy. And he was acting out, and he fought with everybody. 
And that tells me something right now from his own brokenness because I saw that anger in him as a man. Never struck me other than the whoopings I deserved, but I'm saying he never punched me. He never hit me in an abusive way. He verbally did, but he never like physically did. But see, as an adult, and I look back and I'm like, wow, you know, he came from huge dysfunction brokenness. So as an adult in his early 20s, he gave his life to Christ. My mom comes from a non-Christian family, began going to church as a teenager, gave her life to Christ as a young adult. Her and my father got married. Think about this now. She's coming from a broken, dysfunctional family where my uncle was sent to his uncles to live because of the screwed up life that was going on here. Her grandmother was a median, messed up in the spirit world, which is sinful and you shouldn't be involved in that. She killed herself. My mom comes from this kind of brokenness. My dad comes from this kind of brokenness. Now they find Jesus and they're trying to live their lives together. So now what they did was they stayed together. Thank you, Jesus. They surrendered to Christ and they began to build their lives upon Jesus the best they knew how. So where they were was far from where they came from. See, they were both broken, come to Jesus Now they're trying to build their lives on this foundation. So now here I am, one of six kids in this new environment. I'm born into a, I'm going to say a Christian environment, but a a very broken, in need of more healing Christian family. But I'm born in a Christian family. They were born in a broken, dysfunctional family. So now... I'm living in this world. And as I get older and I'm looking back, I'm like, wow, you know, they did pretty amazing from where they came from. Now let me go into my childhood for a minute and say that my mom had two nervous breakdowns when I was a little guy. I'm not saying it was my fault. I think it was my sister's, but I'm just letting you know. (laughs) She had two nervous breakdowns. She had a heart issue she took medication for. She got cancer when I was in fifth grade. She had... um, one of her kidneys removed and she had multiple surgeries for multiple things uh, when I was young. My father worked a secular job and pastored the church, fixed most of the women, older ladies, cars in our church in his spare time. Six kids, chaos all the time. I look back on that and I'm like, how did he even survive and remain any way mentally stable? Only because of Jesus. Because you see, I remember my mom being literally in bed or on the couch for two years of my life. I remember that. Let me just back up for a second so that we understand us. So here's this little boy in this environment seeing all the brokenness around him. He doesn't see history. He only sees present. So in this broken appearance of what I see and what I feel... He begins to make choices. I made choices to step out of that environment into myself, become an introvert, enclosed in my own world, like the whole world doesn't exist around me because what I saw was chaos and brokenness and I didn't want to be part of it. And I was angry inside at everything that I saw and I knew it had to be God's fault and it had to be my father's fault. Because he's God and he's dad. Therefore, if my world's jacked up, it's their fault. And so I retracted from all of them living in my own space. 
That's where in my own space I began to try substances and different things to try and experience freedom and deliverance from my own prison. Church, now I'm, I'm saying all this because as I grew older and God said, love him, and I looked and I loved him, I was like, oh, thank you, God. It's so amazing. I, I get it. And I'm free and this is awesome. Now I'm like, I'm done with my dad. I was so happy when I came home from Kansas, told Kim, like, the whole encounter. Going on with life, man. God is good. Never had an issue with my mom until one day when I was talking to Jesus. And I always thought my mom was amazing. I mean, I didn't like being around her because I thought, she, I mean this kindly, as a kid, you know. I thought she was weird. I'm sorry, but it, I'm just being honest and transparent. So, like, I thought she was amazing, and I loved her, but I was embarrassed of her, and I thought she was weird. That was because, you know, of some of our upbringing and some of the church's rules. She was always very different. She had to wear dresses, hair up, no makeup, no jewelry, all that garbage that the church puts on people when we're trying to follow Jesus. So that was my view of her. And even though I loved her and... I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that in any disrespectful way. I'm just trying to be real about the way I viewed things. And so now I'm an adult, and, I'm, and God's like, you know, you have some resentment toward your mom. And I'm like, no, I don't. You know, <laughs> like he doesn't know what he's talking about, you know. <laughs> I love her. I just feel bad that she married my dad. And <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's, I always felt bad for her. Like, how'd you get stuck with that guy, man? It's, like, terrible. Anyway, you have resentment. Like, okay, so then you have to process that stuff, right? God, like, what do you mean? What's going on? And then I began to look deep within me, and I was like, you know what? I am angry at her. I'm angry that she allowed those things to happen. I'm angry that she, she lived in that environment and accepted that stuff. And I was mad at her because... I thought, man, mom, if you'd have just stood up for something and, and stood on the grounds and the principles of what God says, my life would have been different. Your life would have been different. I was mad at her, and I didn't even know it. And so I'm like, man, God, you know, I didn't even think I had an issue there. I am a jacked up person. Forgive me. I laid my mom on the altar. Lord, I... She's always been this frail little broken thing that I wanted to protect. And so I laid her there and just said, God, she's yours. And God forgave me. Now, just a couple years ago, it's been three years ago, I think, coming up on that, my dad was dying. And I'm like, you know, I'm not, I don't need to go back. We're good. You know, I don't, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You know, are you going to go back and see your dad? No, I've said everything I need to say to him. I'm good. Everything's fine. All is well. He's going to be with Jesus. I know it. I'll see him again. Everything's fine. Get a text from my sister. Dad's not going to make it today. So, like, I was in first service over there. It was a Sunday morning. I came over to this sanctuary down here in the front row, and I called my sister and said, I want to talk to Dad. Put the phone by him. In that moment when I had her put the phone by him, and God challenged me about honoring my father. And so I asked my dad to forgive me for my you know, my stupidness and my actions and all that I had done. And uh, 
I thanked him for the dad that he was, and I understood that he came from brokenness and all these things. So I was able to share those things with him, and then he went to be with Jesus. Now, here's where I want to go with this so you understand why we're even talking about all of this. As I look at these things, and I'm like, God, you know, I... Um, I don't want that dysfunction in my kids. I don't want it in my family. I don't want to be that to them. And it's been a prayer of my, my life that somehow I would be able to honor God in a way that the, my kids would always know that it's all about Him and that they would see that. And here's what I saw and God showed me the coolest thing for my wife and I is coming from that brokenness. My wife came from a non-believing, good moral family but a non-believing, non-God-following family, giving her life to Christ, that her and I together were able to start at a different level than our parents ever did. So my wife and I were able to build right here on the foundation of knowing Jesus from day one in our relationship. Therefore, we were able to build into our children who God is and what it means to surrender and forgiveness. I've come to my kids and I was like, hey, I need you to know that I, I'm screwing up somewhere. I just don't know where. If I did, I wouldn't do it. But when you get older, fix it so your kids don't have to go through what you did. Because we ought to be building up. So when we look at what God's word says, church, I'm serious. This is the way it ought to look in our lives, in our families. Wherever our family started with Jesus, the next generation should always be closer to him, more functional and more healthy than we were. Because we're growing more Christ-like. So wherever you are, wherever you are in your family history and your spiritual legacy, I don't care if you're first generation, then lay the foundation. Okay? But if you're more than first generation, you still have things you need to ask God to forgive, to continue to grow, to establish a foothold so that we can honor our father and mother and bring glory to God the Father. So sin has been an uninvited guest in the family home since the very beginning. It is sin that has caused the dysfunction in the relationships of husbands and wives, parents and children, grandparents and grandchildren. Look, it's the dysfunction is sin that is the uninvited guest in every home. When sin entered the world, church, just think about it. Adam and Eve, right? Here they are. God says, this is it. You're the mirror of my relationship with you. Now Adam and Eve are together. Now sin comes along. And what does Adam do? It's her fault. For real, read the Bible. She did it. You gave her to me. She screwed it up. So he's blaming God and her. God looks to Eve and she says, the serpent. See, when sin enters, it is the dysfunctional force that causes us to look at everyone else as the problem. Repentance and foundation is me asking for forgiveness for my behaviors, my choices, and what I've done. So here it is, everyone blaming everyone else. What happens in the very first family? their son killed their other son, murdered him. He murdered him over worshiping God. Dysfunction. 
God doesn't like me, therefore it's your fault because God does like you, I'm going to kill you. Do you see that? Always looking at someone else as the reason for your brokenness? I want everyone in this room to understand that our brokenness is sin at work in us. Therefore, forgiveness is where we need to start so that the foundation can be established the way God desires the foundation to be established. All in Jesus. Stop blaming your parents. Stop blaming your spouse is. Stop blaming others and own your brokenness and your dysfunction so that you can repent. Ask God to heal and forgive and restore and begin to build on the foundation that Christ has given to us. The healing of the family unit is found only in forgiveness, which is God's order of restoration. So we forgive our parents. Whatever they have or haven't done, we forgive, just like Christ forgave us. We forgive ourselves as parents, because you screwed it up, didn't you? I'm not saying everything you did is wrong, but you've done stuff wrong. So you ask forgiveness of God, of your kids, and of yourself. You know, this forgiveness thing is all about what God says to us. And so now we've forgiven our parents, we forgive ourselves, we ask our kids to forgive us, we ask our spouse or spouses to forgive us, and we begin to build a new life in Christ. That's how God wants it. See, we can't change the past. What, what the Apostle Paul, when he's telling us, look back, look at how you used to be, look at how you changed, look at how you're becoming, now look to the future, all right? I can't do anything about all that mess. All I can do is say, God, please forgive, restore. Let's build a foundation for the future so that my kids and grandkids can be everything God wants them to be. All right? And that happens through my healing. Isn't that amazing? That's the way God works it. So it's pretty cool that my wife and I have built on that foundation. All three of our adult children are serving Christ with their spouses and they're following him. Now they're on their own and it's their choice. But they have a foundation. They know they need Jesus in their life. There's no question about it. All right, so look at the wreckage behind you. Everybody here, there's wreckage behind you. There's family dysfunction, brokenness, there's sin. I already told you all the junk that's in ours. There's a lot more than that. I just gave you a little touch of it. So there's like multiple divorces. There's, there's uh, people living together. There's, you know what I'm saying, man. It's just like it's a mess. Now look forward. We have this incredible opportunity that God has provided for us that can stop the wreckage. And it begins with forgiveness. That's where it begins. To stop the wreckage begins with forgiveness. That foundation in Christ moving forward. God is incredible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than one we've already have, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so the apostle is writing to the church and he's saying, look, man, there's this way that we can build on our lives where it will stand and hold. 
Jesus goes on in a teaching. You remember this talk. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. We got Christians living in sandcastles. Why? Seriously, why? See, it's, it's obedience to the teachings of Christ lays the foundation. The very foundation of that foundation is forgiveness. That's why God wanted us to start there today. Because you can try to build all you want to. It's not going to work. You can try and build your own legacy, your own home, your own ways. You could say, I'm not going to be like them. I'm going to do it this way. If it's not God's way, it's not going to work. And it begins with that forgiveness that he talks to us about. So we clearly see that obedience to his teaching is the foundation to the foundation. Okay? All right. So the thing that we see in that text as well, before we, I got to close this. So, um, is Jesus says that when the storms come, right? So even if you have a Christian home, a firm foundation in Christ, you're going to still face junk. Storms are still coming. The fact of the matter is he's saying you're going to stand through it all. If you're not on Christ, you're going to collapse and everything is going to break and fall apart. So when you think about it in the church today where our homes are just as dysfunctional as the world, where the divorce rate is just as high as the world, where we have people living together, same-sex people spending time together, people having relationships outside of marriage, it's like, look, man, you can do it your way, but it doesn't work. And I'm just telling you, it's going to fall apart and it's dysfunction because God says so. If you come to him and you do it his way and his foundation and you do it according to his terms, it works. You're not going to collapse and fall apart. You're going to hold no matter what the world brings to you or no matter what you have to go through. Okay. So we'll just wrap this up and finish this here right now as, as we look together. Are you a born-again disciple of Jesus Christ? Yes. How's that forgiveness thing going for you? Father and mom, forgiving them? Yourself? Okay, so the reason why I asked that question is how's the obedience thing going? Are you living what you know God has asked you to do? Well, many of you just confessed you weren't. Right? Seriously. God said you have to forgive them. You have to forgive yourself. You need to get that foundation laid or nothing's going to work. And so we have to be obedient to him and what he's asking in every area. So I'm asking you, what's your home built on? Your ideas? Culture's ideas? God's ways. If it's not, you're in trouble. I just want you to know destruction's coming because challenges are coming. And if we're not doing it God's way, we'll never make it. The altar's open if you want to come and pray. Look, you can disagree with me any you want. You just look at God's word and what he says to us. We need to obey him and his teachings, and God's word is truth. Therefore, the altar's always open for us. If you need forgiveness and healing, please come forward. If you need to offer forgiveness, please do that. Just own your brokenness. 
and then give it to him. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you can stay right in the front row. You're fine. Wherever you need to be. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the healing you bring to us. We've, we've been damaged, Lord. We are damaged. Sin has caused it. Sin worked through that system and messed us up. We've messed others up. So God, we come to you today just asking forgiveness. Lord, we forgive those who have been dysfunction and acted in sinful ways that destroyed us. And God, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for not properly honoring our father and mother the way you've asked us to, not because of their deserving it, but because you've asked us to as your kids. Thank you for my mom and dad. Thank you for showing me their brokenness. Thank you. Show my kids my brokenness. Show my grandkids. Lord, help us to be everything you died to make us, to be whole. Bring healing into our homes and our families, God. Let us be that light for you. What is your desire, God, to breathe this into us, that our lights would be lighthouses for the glory of the Father. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for forgiveness, oh man. Where would we be without it? Give you glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Can you guys hang with me for just a second? I, I just want to share something with you before you leave, if you don't mind. I mean, if you have to go, it's fine. I just want to share something personal with you. I know there's people praying. I, I want you to pray for my wife and I. She had a doctor's appointment on Friday, and um, it's been a long time coming, and she has a mass in her. And uh, we don't know what it is yet, of course. God knows all this. It hasn't caught him by surprise. Um, we've known she's not been well for a while. Just asking to pray for her. Uh, we're still human. Our emotions are, um, you know, feeling it <laughs> as we walk through. So tomorrow we have an appointment um, to have a consultation with the doctor for surgeon and hopefully find out what all is going on there. But... We want you as our family to know what's going on and just so you can lift us up in prayer. There's a lot of needs in our church, a lot going on. And so just be praying for your brothers and sisters. This is what we were just talking about in God's word. He's so amazing, isn't he? He's like, the storms of life will come, but when your foundation is built on Christ, you're going to hold, you'll be all right, he'll take you through. We already know that we don't know what it's going to look like or feel like or go through, but we trust him. But we're still hurting and, um, you know, like emotionally... Uh, a little fragile. <laughs> so uh, just pray for us. God bless you. Have an amazing week with him. We'll let you know as soon as we know something. Hey, you guys that are praying, man, you don't have to go. You just make sure you're good. Okay? Hey, man, God bless you. So glad you're here today. Thank you, brother. You okay?